Hey everybody, welcome to Pit Stops at Podium, the Red Partners podcast where we talk to execs who have competed in one, taking their companies from high growth to high scale. My name is Brendan Tallison. I am the co-founder and CEO of Red Partners, and I'm delighted to have with me today Kat Cole for this edition of Pit Stops to Podium. Welcome, Kat. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, for those who don't know who she is, uh, Kat currently serves on the board of multiple companies, which I'll let her introduce in just a second, but also had uh, quite a run uh, as president and COO of Focus Brands. Uh, Kat, how about you give our audience a little bit of perspective on who Focus is and ultimately some of the companies that you currently serve today? Yeah, so I'll start today and then go back. So today I'm on the boards of Human Co., which is a SPAC, so Human Co. SPAC, uh, a SPAC publicly traded on the NASDAQ that is looking to take a large wellness company public. So it's a wellness SPAC. I'm on the board of Slice, which is the uh, pizza technology company. So it is both a marketplace for pizza wherever you are. If you want to order pizza, download Slice and order pizza. Uh, But it's also a technology company for pizza entrepreneurs. And so they do websites and mobile ordering and aggregation and insights and marketing. And so they're kind of an end-to-end marketing solution that allows independent pizzerias, believe it or not, that industry alone is big enough to support (laughs) such a company. Um, And I get to work alongside amazing world-class investors who have invested in that company that's at a growth stage company they process this year will be about a billion in GMV. Then I'm on the board of Milk Bar, the omni-channel desserts and sweets company founded by Chef Christina Tosi. So those are my formal boards. And then I advise a ton of both early and growth stage companies that are either in the consumer space or the SMB, uh, small business technology space. And so those are my boards and advisory roles. I'm an angel investor in about uh, over 50 companies, many of them early stage, most of them consumer uh, or health tech and ed tech. And uh, previously I was with Focus Brands, so Focus is the franchisor, licensor and operator of uh, eight brands around the world, like Jamba Juice and Auntie Anne's and Cinnabon, uh, 70 countries, 7,000 plus locations, 100,000 points of retail distribution. So that's outside of our franchise business. And I was with that company for 10 years, starting as president of Cinnabon, turning that around in the recession, helping to build that company and brand. Then building the omni-channel e-com CPG and manufacturing division for the company, which took uh, all the brands to channels other than franchising. So I was group president of the parent company, building that division. And then I became COO and president of the parent company, running all the brands uh, around the world four years ago. So filled that role for four years and then just wrapped up that 10-year career at Focus Brands in January of this year and uh, am focusing on the things I mentioned prior board advisory, finishing my book, writing a newsletter, like getting all my lessons out there, but really helping other people build their businesses. Well, before we get into our big idea, and it was hard to figure out which one we wanted to talk about in light of your experience that you just outlined. Uh, we have a tradition here uh, at this at the podium, and that's to get to know our guest outside of work. Uh, so Kat, outside of all the things that you just uh, outlined. What are three things that our audience should know about you? Uh, I got married at Burning Man. I have done humanitarian work in Eastern Africa for over a decade. Uh, it's a big part of my life and culture and being. Uh, and I have two babies, um, becoming less babies every day. They are four and two. Ocean uh, is the oldest, and Arrow is the two year old. Certainly a sweet season. Um, what, uh, what's the tie to East Africa for you? 
I just started doing work in Rwanda. Um, a friend invited me there and I fell in love with the country and started doing work in the region, everything from women's mentorship to technology, uh, company advisory and mentorship to conflict zone work on the Ethiopian and Somali border. And so my, my work over time has just been very organic, started as a single kind of love project in Rwanda. And then because I was comfortable in the region, kept getting called back by different groups and different countries for different things over time. Um, and I'm a coffee freak and it is the cradle. Ethiopia is the, you know, the only place in the world from which coffee is indigenous. So it's got a many special places uh, in my heart. Well, I have to have another podcast about that another time. That's a, a passion of mine and an area I've spent some time in as well. Well, Pat, or excuse me, Pat, Kat, let's transition to the big idea. So you talked a little bit about your experience, both at Focus Brands in terms of building that company, uh, as well as some of the work you're doing today. And I think you'd be, uh, you know, one of the leading experts as it relates to how to build a brand. Uh, and so we're gonna talk about a few different things as it relates to how, how you define it, but let's let's dive in first into the definition. Then we'll talk about a few different areas uh, in terms of a framework, if you will, for how to think about how to build a brand uh, for a high growth company. Great. So in your mind, Kat, how, how do you define what a brand is? I mean, a brand is simply a promise that a company makes to its customers and employees, to its stakeholders, essentially. And that promise is built uh, by both what the company communicates, what it says, and of course, what it does and how those stakeholders experience that company over time. But at the end of the day, it is the promise and the perception of the promise Mm -hmm. as defined by the customer uh, over time, not necessarily by the company. So it's just what people think a company is promising them and delivering and how that promise comes to life. I love that. It's a great way to capture what a brand is. And so let's talk a little bit about kind of these three anchor points. We have relevance, differentiation, and then evolution of that over time. So let's start with relevance. And you may intertwine that with differentiation in terms of that two by two, because I think it's a really neat framework of thinking about brand. Yeah, it was, you know, it took a lot of mistakes and lessons over time to realize Uh, You know, after running many brands around the world, I was with Hooters Restaurants for 15 years, even before Focus Brands, and then Focus Brands being a multi-brand portfolio and a multi-channel, you know, it's both a a house of brands, and then some of those brands themselves are branded houses. So they have Mm -hmm. many different versions of the brand underneath the brand. And so when you're in that type of an ecosystem, you definitely learn a lot uh, about brands and what they can do, what they can't do, where they have permission to travel. And over time, it was clear to me that the things um, that that really allowed a brand to be healthy over time would all fall into two buckets, relevance and differentiation. And I will um, go to battle <laughs> to anyone who says there is such a thing as a third bucket, um, because I could pretty strongly argue that things go into, into one or the other. And so relevance and differentiation, being high on both, is a mark of a brand that lasts and a brand typically that's winning in the mm-hmm. marketplace at any given point in time. And so um, to park on the first piece, relevance, um, essentially it's simply that it matters in my life as a customer today. Um, it is something that matters in my life today. Today, as in this moment, this minute, this hour, this day, things move so quickly and a brand can be relevant last year and not this year. It can be irrelevant now and then become relevant over time. So the good news is all hope is not lost if you're low on on the relevant scale. 
And so things that fall under relevance are things such as pricing, right? If I can't afford your brand, it's not relevant to me. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean it's it's um, it's not something I like, that it's not aspirational, but it is not relevant to me. So price is a big part of relevance. Um, brand affiliation and aspiration has a lot to do. Brand positioning and voice has a lot to do with how relevant it is. Where am I on the scale, on the continuum of social causes? How do I feel about the planet or wellness? Um, Am I leaning into pop culture and does something need to really be a part of, of the moment of iconic pop culture moments to be relevant to me? So positioning and affiliations and aspirations sit firmly in the bucket of relevance. Uh, There are many other things that fit into relevance, like portion size, um, access, right? Convenience. Mm -hmm. Convenience is a big part of relevance today. So do, is this a thing that I need and want to get quickly? And if so, how quickly can I get it from you? And convenience is broken into two parts, points of access So how many places can I get it and speed? Hmm. They're separate, but obviously they're related. If you have more points of distribution, more points of access, whether they're delivered by a third party or it's a store around the corner uh, or it's online or it's a marketplace, then that has something to do with speed, but it doesn't guarantee speed. You know, speed is a path of convenience in and of itself. So if you think of convenience, we're in the convenience economy. Um, we're also in the experience economy, but that's going to fit a bit more cleanly in differentiation when we get to it. Um, the convenience economy is about access, locations, either physical or virtual, and how fast can mm-hmm. I get it? So there are many pieces of relevance, but certainly today, and especially in food and other types of consumer products, the convenience economy um, has just continued to grow in importance in most people's lives. And then a brand has to decide, you know, how easy do I want to be defined? Uh, how many places do I want my product or service marketed, sold, uh, and, and transaction or interacted with? And that's a brand choice. There are positives and negatives of any of those choices. And then speed, you know, how quick can I be? And in some businesses, speed can come at the cost of quality. And so you have to make these decisions and trade-offs, not always, but often um, you have to make these decisions and trade-offs to decide how relevant am I in people's lives today? Yeah. I like the, you know, the concept of access and speed. Is there any from, I guess, either from your experience or uh, just um, not only from a professional experience, but also just as a uh, consumer uh, who's doing that well, or Maybe more importantly, who's not who's not doing that well uh, as you think about the the relevance category? Oh, um, I mean, it, it depends on how people want to think about brand. You know, brand can obviously be any company. So certainly, mm-hmm. a brand and a business like Amazon uh, is is highly relevant in people's lives. So marketplaces that have grown to be important part of people's daily habit. Mm-hmm. Uh, or weekly habit are highly relevant. Uh, typically, those marketplaces have a lot of price choice. You know, you can go super cheap or super expensive. So, so price, uh, other than the cost of delivery, which is often determined by the merchant at large, although affected by the marketplace, um, those types of businesses are often highly relevant right now. In terms of brand, like pure, pure yeah. consumer brand, you know, I think about a brand uh, like Daily Harvest, 
right? That is leaning into both wellness and convenience and a bit more affordable on the wellness side of things. Uh, there are, um, you know, there are brands like Mudwater, um, Sanzo, um, House of Wise. I'm thinking of all the brands I'm involved in, CBD brand, mm-hmm. um, that are easy to access, easy to find. I can get them. Their price point fits with what, with what they're promising. Um, Prima, the CBD um, cosmetics you yep. know, company. These are amazing brands. I mean, clear. I could name the obvious ones like Apple and Tesla, <laughs> um, but but Tesla isn't relevant for everyone, right? Not everyone right. can afford a Tesla, but they have continued to move down market in their pricing. And so they're broadening the relevance. And then the more service stations, the more charging stations, right? The more that brand, although it's through the roof on differentiation, there's some opportunity for it over time to continue to become more relevant to a larger group of people. And I think that's an important note that just because a relevant a brand is relevant to some, it does not mean it's relevant to all. So when I speak to brands that are relevant, I'm thinking of decent sized populations that mm-hmm. find it relevant. You know, at one time, a great example um, that I always give of a brand that was highly differentiated, but not relevant over time was Rolls-Royce, right? Highly differentiated, unique signature look. You could see it without its logo and know what car it is. Most people couldn't afford it. And even over time, it didn't remain competitive with the other products that were in that aspirational, you know, in that aspirational tier. And so it lost relevance. It maintained differentiation, but it lost relevance. Um, There are some brands that are highly relevant, but again, we're gonna get to differentiation they lose their differentiation. So they become commodities. And so it's a race to the bottom from a price perspective. I like that. Let's transition into differentiation. I like the Tesla uh, example. So uh, how are you defining differentiation for the audience as it relates to brand? Um, You know, differentiation is pretty straightforward. It has a, it has a unique uh, flavor reputation perception in the mind of the consumer. It is simply distinction and uniqueness. It is different than these things around it. It's the Sesame Street song. One of these things is not like the other. Um, That's that's differentiation. And so, you know, again, there are so many brands that have maintained relevance, um, but lost their differentiation, either because um, they, they did innovate a lot in an attempt to keep up with the marketplace and then ended up being the same as everyone else flooding the market, or they didn't change. Many other competitors came into their space and lost their differentiation in a reactive way. So yeah. you can, you know, you can sort of immobilize yourself and for lots of reasons that seem like good ideas inside of a company and lose your differentiation that way. Or you can change yourself so much that you go run into crowded categories where you know you're you're one of the same. I mean, certainly it was a battle we fought quite a bit in the Focus Brands portfolio with a brand that I love, Moe's Southwest Grill. And you know, it's burritos. And so Chipotle mm-hmm. is the largest. Moe's was always number two, but the only one that was franchised. And it was the only one still today that is so, so um highly ranked by families. Like hmm. kids love Moe's, you walk in, they say, welcome to Moe's. And so any effort to evolve that might diminish that family orientation 
would be an example that yeah. would lower its differentiation. I like that. Um, well, and then how's that, uh, as, we, as we think about relevance differentiation and we're talking about a high growth to high scale, uh, how does that, I don't say necessarily evolve, but how do you maintain or balance that tension in the midst of growth? Yeah. I mean, the reality is it is an activity, right? The brand isn't something that is static. Relevance and differentiation are not static. Just because you mm -hmm. once were is no guarantee that you are today, nor is it a guarantee that you will be tomorrow. And so that in and of itself is a pretty massive body of understanding that is often missed even in high growth teams because they're so close to when they launched, they're so close to when they were successful. There's this belief that that proximity to the origins means rocket ship trajectory, you know, right. J curve up and to the right, hockey stick, all those things. Right. And, and it doesn't, um, especially with the world today is as low as the barriers to entry are for almost any industry, not all, but but many. And so this respect that it in fact does change and must evolve. So the things to think about as it relates to evolving the brand are one, staying insanely close to your customer, um, asking them thoughtful questions that help you think about what you can stop doing, which means what you can stop saying, things you can stop doing visually from a marketing perspective, and even you know the great rationalization of SKUs and services. I mean, eventually some things need to be put to rest because it right. protects your differentiation over time or it enhances your relevance if you don't have this thing. So think about big cereal companies that started to drop the artificial flavors and sugar, right? It's not only about right. what you start doing, it's about what you stop doing. And doing that by listening to the customer and staying insanely close and making sure that over the arc of time, whereas at the beginning, the brand's promise is its first product. It is its first yeah. service. It is the founder story. Two years later, five years later, as the company is bigger, as it's defined by more products, it's defined as the, as the kind of the cumulative set of interactions that customers have had with those products, those employees over time and how they view it in the competitive set. So someone having their finger on the pulse of how the brand feels and is perceived in the sea of the competitive markets and then how the customers need states and lives are changing and whose lives do we want to be on the journey with and how do we evolve with them and whose lives are we okay saying, you know, they're on a different journey than we are and this is right. where our train stops for you. But because we're relevant, new people are getting on at this point. Yeah. Well, I love it. It actually ties back to your definition of what the brand is in terms of having that connection to the customer. So that's, I love that response because it keeps it back at the core. Uh, well, Kat, I really appreciate you making the time with us today. Uh, what is a practical way in which people can engage with you? Is there a social platform that you use most like Twitter or LinkedIn? Uh, what, what, what's the next step for them? Yeah, it's all the things. I mean, Twitter I'm and Instagram, I'm Kat Cole ATL, just straight up Kat Cole on LinkedIn. I have a newsletter on Substack called Checking In. They could just look up my name on Substack. I hold courses and workshops on a lot of the startup platforms like Maven and Bright. So there are many ways to get little snippets or just follow me or to engage more meaningfully. Perfect. Or if you're going to Burning Man That's right. next time, maybe, yeah. maybe we'll see you there. Well, Kat, thanks so much. <laughs> I appreciate the time. We'll talk to you later. All right. Thanks.